in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. He caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35-34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, and a very merry Christmas Eve day. And if you're doing some shopping, you're rolling around out there, hey, glad to have you with us here. For another hour, we will be off tomorrow. And uh, for Christmas Day, of course, and taking a little three-day weekend. So in- enjoy your holiday time. But, yes, we've got one more hour of nonstop sports talk coming your way. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, and Brian Feldman in the house uh, with us uh, today as well, too. So, And if you're listening on the Internet on the East Coast, you can now say Merry Christmas Eve. Ne- yeah. 6 p.m. there, so that's Is it 6 p.m.? So is it officially when the sun goes down that we can say Christmas Eve? Or do you go by the world clock? What are you going by here? Well, 6 p.m. most people consider evening. That's when the evening news and that comes on. So around then, if you want to do sundown, I don't have a total problem with that. But at 8 o'clock in the morning, it's not Christmas Eve when people say it. No, it's Christmas Eve day. Right. Like Currently right now, even though it could be gray and dark and cold outside, it looks like it's Eve, but technically it's not. Well, it's December. It should be. There it is. You know, so. I don't know, man. We had, we had sunshine in 70 a couple days ago. So. Yeah, well, you know, it, 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 I, I was watching the uh, Weather Channel last night and uh, or this morning at like 4 a.m. or something like that. And it was six, 16 degrees in Chicago, so there, a lot there, nicer than there's that. There's so many things wrong with the way he just said. He was up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Watching the Weather Channel. Well, I was actually channel surfing. There was a commercial on four the, o'clock. I, I was studying at four on, o'clock on, in the morning. The back of my eyelids <laughs> during traffic with Mariana Van Zeller. Oh, Tr- tremendous show. Uh, shows about steroids and scams and pimps and just uh, just all sorts of stuff. Do you ever show? Do you ever, do you ever sleep? Or is that why you don't answer my texts until about 12 noon? Because you, you go to sleep like at 5 or 6 in the morning? Is that what I, you do? I, I, I usually, once I finally fall asleep when the sun comes up, yeah. that's when I so, usually sleep for a little bit. So no and, worries, and, yeah, the Grinch. And, I get and, it. And, and that's why I don't answer texts, because I put my phone on either silent or yeah. vibrate, and then I, when I wake up, then I shower, and then I come here. So, But I always shower first. Thank you for showering, that, my friend. That is, that is, a, that is crucial. It. That is crucial. Yes. Because <laughs> I know some people don't. Yeah. Some people that we used to work with sometimes would come into that studio and and we're all just nodding our head saying oh yeah so thank goodness for 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 hygiene i'm big into hygiene yeah i mean i i like charlie brown christmas pig pen was a character it shouldn't be a lifestyle there you go <laughs> well maybe it's how much people get paid sometimes that they can't afford soap Ooh, did he say- then, then walk out in the rain and do something there you go there you jump go. in a lake Scott Spritzer is going to join us uh, this hour. We'll uh, get some handicapping tips from Scott, uh, start breaking down some more NFL stuff. Last hour, appreciate Steve Berline, the former quarterback, joining us, and Chuck Esposito. And, of course, all of the stuff will be up on the website uh, after the show today at tcmartinshow.com. Don't forget, get the uh, mobile app with William Hill. It is your opportunity to open a new account. That would be a great Christmas present to, to give people, right? There you go. Hey, TC Fitty. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Use the promo code TC50, and you get $50 free in your account. So when you open a new account, go to one of the great William Hill Sportsbooks. And the Cosmopolitan, as we know, is a William Hill Sportsbook now. So go over there and uh, deposit at least $50. They will match it with an additional $50. That is the thing to do, especially during this holiday time, because we've got bowl games, we've got the NBA, we've got college basketball, college football, the NFL. We've got everything. So deposit at least 50 in your brand-new account. They will match it with an additional $50. Use that promo code TC50. All right, so more news coming out today. The Detroit Lions, and, and I love talking to, to Brian Feldman about this because he is a diehard Lions fan. I don't know who gets more upset about the Lions. It's either you, Bernie Fratto, or Chris Wynn, all cohorts of ours. Clay Baker and gets a little upset Clay, about him, Clay's too. Clay's another one, exactly. Who Mike Tanay. Mike Tanay is a big Lions guy. fan. Yeah. Well, well, you know, guys, I, I worked for the Detroit Lions radio network for five and a half years in Detroit for CBS Sports Infinity Broadcasting. So they cost me money when I worked for them. I used to think the players would all be happy after a loss. Hey, let's go out and I'm like, 
And you guys cost money because my clients are all bailing on us. And then Barry Sanders in 1998 just decides, I'm not going to play anymore. And uh, one year before That was the downfall. It all started there. One year, TC, before he would have broken Walter Payton's record. I say, if Barry plays for three more years, Emmett Smith retires way before he does because he's not going to waste his time trying to catch Barry. Barry didn't love the game enough, man. Didn't no, love it enough. no, Barry had no. enough enough class yeah. to know that he wasn't quite as good as Walter, so he didn't want to break his <laughs> record because it would have been shallow. All right, so let's talk about the 2020 Lions, who are just as, as abysmal as the 2019, the 2016. I think the Barry Lions. Sanders Lions were probably more fun to talk about. Oh, they were, they, absolutely. <laughs> when when, they Wayne, were. when yeah. Wayne Fonts would lose for the first half of the season and then win enough games at the end to save his job for another season where they could do the same thing over and over and over again. Is Ed Orgeron Wayne Fonts reincarnated? That's oh, what I want to know. God Almighty, <laughs> uh, Wayne Fonts had a little bit more personality. But guys, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to shut up about the Lions, and I say it all the time. People don't put this into perspective. Why us Lions fans are so bitter in the Super Bowl era with stage bat. Dates back to the mid '60s, right? Mm-hmm. Super Bowl era. Yep. The Detroit Lions have won one playoff game. Put that in perspective. Tim Tebow has won as many playoff games in his lifetime as the Detroit Lions have in the NFL, yep. and he's played in more too than the Lions have won in my lifetime. That's disgusting, right? That's that's 53 seasons, my friend. You know, think about that. That's one playoff game. I not not you know, the Browns fans cry. They've been to three AFC Championship games. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know what that was like. Well, the Lions are now on their second interim head coach in in a week how's that so you got the interim to the interim is is taking over uh so daryl bevel is out he will not coach in saturday's game against tampa due to the to covid uh, restrictions uh so the head coach this week is going to be wide receivers coach robert prince and he will turn the play calling duties over to the quarterback coach happens to be Sean Ryan. Oh, by the way, has never called a single play in his entire life. So on his resume, has no play calling whatsoever. He's your Lions play caller. Like you talk, you're right. You talk about the jokes of the NFL. It's the Browns. It used to be the Buccaneers back in the day. But the Lions are probably the joke of the capital J of everyone. Well, and and it's kind of appropriate in a way that right before Christmas that the wide receiver coach would be the coach of the Lions Uh since this was a team that drafted wide receivers like, what, three or four years in a row for their first pick year after year after year after year. Well, then they got into tight ends for a little while too, right? Yeah. 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 And again, and talking about wide receivers who retire a little bit early – we, we had that with the, with the Lions. Well, think about that, T.C., what I said earlier. Arguably, I understand Walter Payton, I love him, Emmett Smith, but arguably the best running back in football, Barry Sanders in history. If, if, if Calvin Johnson plays a 15-, 16-year career, his ability is good as anyone that's ever played the yep. game at wide receiver. Between those two guys, one playoff win in 20 <laughs> years of Detroit Lions football. That's un- and Calvin had none. Barry got the one win in his second year in the league. Right. Unbelievable. It's unreal. Hey, trust me, I'm very thankful for the 85 Bears because before that we we had to look at teams with Butkus and Sayers both in the same draft. Well, you guys that still, never, but never went to a playoff game. True, but they you, never had a winning record. TC gives you crap about Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman at least took him to a Super Bowl, something the Lions still don't know anything about. With Lovey Smith as head but, coach. Yeah, thank you. But, but keeping in this NFL Central old school, okay, the Packers were that way as well, too. The Packers were horrendous. For all those times during the seventies, oh, I, I love when 80s. Lynn Dickey was the, their quarterback. There you go, exactly. My favorite era. Exciting, yeah, exactly. They score forty-five and they give up forty-eight. Yeah. So, but the Packers had those down times too, just as the Bears did and the Lions did around that same time as well too. And but then you the throw Lions the, just never get over the hump. The I Packers know. now we got all these Super Bowls. Well, now, the yeah. Bears have played in two. The Buccaneers, who were once in their division, have won a Super Bowl. And of course, the Minnesota Vikings have played in four, never won one, but they've played in four. So, you know, bringing it back to the situation with the Lions, so there's a lineup on the game. The Lions are a 10-point dog at home against Tampa Bay this weekend. So we mentioned the interim-to-interim coach and all that stuff. On the defensive side, they're affected just as much, if not more. They have four defensive coaches that are out in this game, including their defensive coordinator. Yeah, so I'm very curious to see how this is all going to work with the play calling, the lack of motivation, nothing to play for. Stafford, they keep trotting him out there, and he's injured you know, himself. There's no excuse for Tampa Bay not to, to be on all cylinders and to crush this team. And I don't care if the game's in Detroit or not. Again, no fans there. It doesn't matter. But it's, it's highly – I don't know how you can, can, can coach up a team – when you're missing so many coaches, I've never seen anything like this. Well, just because the Lions live in a pride, it doesn't mean they have any. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, it's, it's a good thing the year of the pandemic, so the stands are where they should be with nobody there. Exactly. All right, let's bring in our, our good friend, uh, Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Scott, what's going on, my man? How's it going, guys? Just getting ready, man. Just uh, looking at some Hawaii-Houston action and uh, getting all the bulls down over the next week. All right, we'll, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, let's give me some thoughts as we sit there and we talk about uh, these uh, Detroit Lions and, again, the, all the coaching problems they have. And you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what only laying uh, what a touchdown or maybe less than or, no? Where's that line right now? Is that line? Uh, is that line? Nine t- and a half and ten. Yeah, nine and a half and ten. I'm sorry. Okay, that one exactly. Uh, Scott, feel pretty safe in laying it with with Tom Brady and the Bucks. And I know Brady hasn't been spectacular. And there's still a lot to be desired from the Buccaneers standpoint, but must win game. And uh, you know, what do you, what do you think when you look at this game? And they're kind of bullies, you know, this season with Brady and, and uh, as as Brady and, you know, the coaching staff tries to get used to each other. But, yeah, they're kind of a team that looks good against the lesser teams and then struggles badly offensively against the better teams on their schedule. So from that perspective, you know, you like Tampa Bay. You like the fact, as you guys were talking about, the coaching issue. Although Robert Prince has a decent background as an assistant, you know, now all of a sudden he's going to be calling the shots but the problem that jumps out at me the most, even though, listen, if I was going to play this game, I'd jump in on Tampa Bay and i lay the points. Uh, the only problem is, is you're laying the points with a team that's getting about 85 to 90% of the tickets right now. This is public chalk <laughs> extraordinaire when it comes to Tampa Bay in this game. And it was that way even before some of the announcements were made earlier today. So no way do I want a piece of Detroit, but I'm, I'm assuming that I'm not going to be adding Tampa Bay uh, before this game kicks off, which is a Saturday morning game. But that, that would be the only way I'd have to go. Uh, I'm just, you know, there's nothing about the Lions that makes me think that they can win this game outright. And when you're talking about, this is going to sound kind of funny a lot of times with me, though, when it comes to the NFL, if I'm talking about a dog that's, you know, getting less than 10 points, less than double digits, I got to think to a certain extent that they've got a shot to potentially win that game outright. I don't see that with the Lions. Do you think a lot of people might take this game on, like, I know, TC, you like the teasers in that. Uh, do you think that this could be one of those plays that people are putting in a teaser, par- a teaser parlay that then more people will jump on Tampa Bay? Well, I think there will be teaser tickets on them. I definitely do. I think the public will definitely put parlay tickets, will, will include Tampa Bay on their parlay tickets. The thing is, mathematically speaking, you know, knocking a game down from 10 to 4 or 10 to 3 if it's a 7-point teaser or 9.5 down to 3.5 or whatever, 2.5, Mathematically speaking, that's a real bad move, and you're going to lose a whole lot of teaser bets in doing that. Having said that, Detroit's a real bad team that could make that teaser come in for you. Uh, what you normally want to do with six-point teasers in the NFL is obviously tease under two if you're talking about a favorite, and then, of course, teasing up to seven or higher when it comes to an underdog. So, yeah, again, you're, you're putting yourself in what's traditionally a bad spot by teasing a nine-and-a-half, ten-point favorite down. Uh, but again, it's the Detroit Lions and the fact that they are so bad and going to be basically using a third or fourth string head coach in this game <laughs> might make up for some of that bad math that's going against you. And, and it's kind of, you know, a lot of people, like, like the point you just made, Scott, it's like, oh, man, you know, the, the public's all over this. Well, how can the public, you know, not be on this and even sharp guys be on this, too, because they can look at this and say, OK, I mean, you know, you know Tampa needs to win the game. It is the Lions for all these reasons. Yeah, you know, you can see where. No one would want to be on the side of, of, of the Lions here. And if people are talking about you know, wanting a little bit of action, the only side they are going to be on, like you said, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. Yeah, and, and despite it being, again, bad mathematically, yeah. two teaser bets, you're going to get the public. That's going to be all over Tampa Bay teasing those lines down. And, you know, as far as the money's concerned, I mean, again, it's up there too. So it's not just the public playing it. And, again, it is a situation where why in the world with – Every team playing this week, there's obviously no more bye weeks for a couple of weeks now. With every team playing this week, with all the games potentially there for you, I just can't see why you would want to jump in on the Lions here. I, to me, that's almost like trying to get cute uh, with this number that's gone up from as low as you know 8 up to 10. And I just would never do things like that when it comes to betting on pro football or any sport for that matter. But you know, I just opened up a page to uh, – uh, the couple of books that are big books that take big bets and have deep pockets as to where the money is. And, again, you're talking about 80% of the money on Tampa Bay also. So it's not like this is just a public-only uh, backing of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, Scott, the Vikings are playing the Saints tomorrow on Christmas Day. 
Obviously, the Saints, uh, a little revenge on their mind. You go back to almost a year ago when the Vikings came into the Dome and, and knocked the Saints out of the playoffs. You've got uh, the Saints who have lost two in a row. They need the game badly. I think a lot of people figure that Drew Brees will be better than he was last week with a game under his belt. And then again, you've got the Kirk Cousins situation. You're not exactly sure what you're going to get there. Uh, I know some people are thinking, hey, laying six and a half, really not a bad move here if you take the Saints. Give me some thoughts. Yeah. We like to call Kirk Cousins a quarterback fondue of the NFL. You can dip <laughs> in, you never quite know what you're going to get out yeah. you know, from one week to the next. Uh, listen, the Saints aren't going to have Michael Thomas. They're used to it, though. They're averaging, what, over 20, a little over 28 points per game uh, anyway and still own one of the top ground games in the NFL. And that running attack is going to face a Minnesota defense ranked 20th in the run when it comes to defensive DVOA against the run. And they should have little trouble moving the ball consistently with Kamara doing the majority of the damage. And it did look like Drew Brees, by the way, as you mentioned, uh, needed some time to shake off the rust last week. But with the game behind him, I just expect the passing game to work better once the running game puts Minnesota on its heels. And then defensively, New Orleans is strong against the run. Minnesota runs its offense, as everybody knows, around Cook. Uh, They own 40 sacks on the season, does New Orleans, and I expect this to be a rough one for Kirk Cousins. You know, they lost to Minnesota a a couple of times of late in postseason play, but I don't think so here. So, you know, you can find six and a halfs out there. It's one of those games, again, where if you like New Orleans, you better not lay more than six and a half. If you like Minnesota, there are enough sevens out there to take at least seven. So for me, though, it is a play on New Orleans over the Vikings. That game is at one thirty tomorrow, Vikings at the Saints, six and a half. The number there with the Saints. Uh, back to the Saturday card. We talked about the the Bucks and, and Lions at ten o'clock in the morning. The Niners are playing the Cardinals at one thirty, and the Cardinals a five point favorite. Here's another team, Scott, that really needs to win this game for their playoff hopes, and they're in a lot better shape than the Niners right now. Is that number a little bit short? Do you feel? You know, I'm leaving this one alone, TC. I mean, again, it's one of those situations where, like Arizona, you mentioned, virtually in a must-win situation. And there's two things that I like to say about must-win situations. First of all, must-win does not equal automatic win. And teams that are in Week 16 or 17 and are in a must-win situation means they weren't good enough to not be in a must-win situation for the entire season if you put everything together. Now, they've won a couple in a row. They had that bad uh, streak. As far as the spread was concerned, they had dropped five straight. The one thing that I noticed out of Arizona that would make me lean their way, even though I'm not going to bet this game, is that uh, Murray looks like he's over whatever shoulder uh, issue he was having a few weeks ago. If you remember, he wasn't making the same type of passes with the same type of zip on those passes, especially when he was throwing outside the numbers on the field. And all of a sudden, they just kind of fell off a little bit offensively. But last couple of games now, he's looked like he's got that behind him. And if it were up to having to play this game, I would lay the points with Arizona. Of course, you got Beathard going for San Francisco. That has to be thrown into the mix. Not that there's a drop-off for me between him and Mullen. Right. We saw Mullen really struggle uh, when he was out there. But again, it's a situation where if I had to play it, I would lay it, but I don't got to play it, so I'm not. <laughs> okay, Dolphins and the Raiders, 5-15, the final game at Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders. They are reeling. This is a typical Raiders. We've seen this uh, with them uh, year in and year out, especially in the month of December, and the Dolphins really need to win this game, Scott. Lane only a field goal. Give me some thoughts here. They'd make a small play here. I made I, A little small play, grab the points with the Raiders. Uh, we had heard earlier today, and it just got announced, that Derek Carr has been upgraded to probable Uh, A lot of praise being heaped onto the shoulders of the Dolphins for their surprising season. Uh, But the Raiders, believe it or not, guys, they actually own the better offense, the better defense. I should say the better offense. The defenses are pretty close as far as their season-long statistics are concerned. But Miami's offense is 22nd or worse in yards rushing, yards passing, total yards per game. They are 20th in third down conversion percentage. Uh, They've done a great job of making opponents pay for miscues and on special teams. And the defense, despite not having great statistics, have been able to keep teams off the scoreboard. Uh, This marks, though, just the third time this season that the Dolphins have been installed as road chalk. They're one and one straight up and against the spread. They beat the hapless Jets 20 to three, and they lost to Denver 20 to 13 a few weeks ago. Uh, So it shows you that that offense of the Dolphins has not exactly clicked as a road favorite in those two games, short sample size, but that's all we have to work with. And then over the last five games, they're averaging 20.2 points per game. 
the one thing about the Dolphins that makes it tough to go against them is that they're playing with such a high confidence level with this outstanding coaching staff. But I still don't trust them, especially as Road Chalk grabbed the three at the Raiders, despite the fact that the Raiders have been struggling so badly down the stretch. When you're handicapping a game like this and Carr's coming off the injury and Tua's been okay, but he hasn't been exactly sensational, do you look at the possibility of backup quarterbacks getting into this one? Because some people out there think that the backups might be better for the teams to have a chance to win on both sides in this game. Yeah, you got to a little bit, I guess. I mean, as far as the Dolphins are concerned, I don't want to see, you know, going against them. I don't want to see Fitzpatrick out there. I really don't. I'd rather see Tua for the entire game. Not that Tua's not going to be, you know, outstanding down the road, but right now I'd rather see him on the field if I'm going against him than Fitzpatrick coming off the bench. As far as the Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota situation, I'd rather have Derek Carr on the field. Listen, Mariota did a nice job coming off the bench, and then what does he do? They get inside the 25-yard line, and there's the Marcus Mariota we've come to know and love uh, firing an interception on a, on a series when all they had to do was protect the football and kick a field goal. So for me, I'd rather have Derek Carr, even though he has been a little banged up since that groin injury. Uh, but again, it's a situation where I don't want to go too deep into that as a handicapping tool or possibility because I would think that we need Tua to really struggle to get Fitzpatrick out there, and you can't count on that. Scott Spricer joins us, Doc Sports. You can check out uh, Scott's plays and uh, get all his information at DocSports.com. Scott, also a great follow on Twitter as well, too, at Scott Wins. Uh, Scott, let's talk a little bit about the Chiefs. Now, this is a team that hasn't beaten anybody by more than six points in the last five weeks. And they've been a money burner for a lot of teams. But then again, people say, hey, this is still the best team in football. It's not like the Chiefs are not covering you know, you know, big numbers here. I mean, they just, when they go on the road, I mean, they, they can't win by more than a touchdown. They're in a situation again this week. I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, they're facing the Falcons. But the Falcons have shown they can be competitive at times. But here's another big number of laying 11 not so much talking about this particular game, and you, you can you know, throw in a side if you'd like in some commentary, but I just want to get your take about evaluating the Chiefs and are they going through the motions? Why do you think this team is having problems you know, winning by more than a touchdown against opponents? Yeah, the defense hasn't been great. You know, we were saying that you know, at one point last year as they went on to their Super Bowl championship, but we've been talking about the Chiefs for a couple of years saying that they've you know, had signs or, or certain weeks or stretches where the defense has really picked it up and it hasn't been great offensively. It's almost like they look like they're going through the motions or like they're kind of bored out there at times. Uh, the bottom line is, as you mentioned, uh, they've got wins over teams like Carolina, Vegas, Tampa, Denver, Miami, all by less than seven points. The Saints last week, they only beat by a field goal. I will say this about that game against New Orleans, and I had New Orleans plus three. I was extremely lucky to get the push. Uh, Kansas City easily could have won that game by double digits. They did not do it. I'm not going to lay it here with them, but I don't want anything to do with Atlanta in this game. You know, Again, last week, they found out another way to blow a lead, a game in which they had control of. They were winning uh, by a decent margin, and they fell apart again. So it's tough, you know, to back a team like Atlanta. At the same time, until Kansas City starts stringing together 60 minutes of football, which we haven't seen out of this football team very much this season, it's ultra tough to lay more than a touchdown against anybody in the league. So for me, it was a pass. When it comes to um, the Chiefs, we've all heard our entire life, defense wins Super Bowls, defense wins championships. Are the Chiefs good enough to still be considered the best team with that defense? Can they be the exception to that rule and still win despite a defense that can be shaky? Well, there's now that asterisk in that NFL cliche, which I always agreed with. Defenses win championships, but you don't have to be all that great on defense when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. That's the asterisk. And so I do. I mean, I still have them power rated as the number one team in the NFL. Uh, they are the number one team in the AFC, number one team overall. So, yeah, I still think they get their stuff together when they get into the postseason. You know, they're a team that, is, that should be favored to win the Super Bowl again. I really think that 
if they would match up against New Orleans, let's say, in the Super Bowl, that I would, I would grab the points with New Orleans. I think last week Kansas City was in a good spot to be taken on the Saints with Drew Brees coming back and being rusty for the first couple of quarters of that game. But defensively, I like what New Orleans can throw into the mix when it comes to playing this Chiefs offense. And you've got to be able to put pressure on Mahomes and disrupt their temple a little bit without blitzing. If you have to blitz to get to the quarterback, Mahomes and KC will eat you alive. But what teams have been able to do against them a little bit more often this year is get a pass rush against Mahomes without having to commit extra people. And that's made Kansas City not quite so dangerous on the offensive side of the football. So really depends on who they play in the postseason, on who has to blitz to get pressure and who doesn't have to blitz to get pressure. They're, again, though, they're still my number one power-rated team in the league. You know, Scott, one game on Sunday afternoon that has some great playoff implications but features, in my opinion, two very inconsistent teams. And we're talking about the Rams and the Seahawks here. This game is in Seattle. Seattle is a one-point favorite. And, you know, traditionally you know, playing up there in Seattle is very tough. But, again, with no crowd, the Seahawks have looked, you know, um, they're not invincible anymore. And then what we saw again with the Rams last week, I mean, the Rams going to Miami and get blasted. They were horrible last week against the Jets, so pure embarrassment. Not sure how this team is going to bounce back. And we know the Rams beat Seattle earlier this year in Los Angeles, and they beat them even though the final score is only 23-16. to 16, they, they handled the Seahawks pretty pretty easily. Give me some thoughts about this game and how do you handicap these two teams right now and specifically this game? Well, the, the total, excuse me, the Rams have actually won five of the last six meetings, so they've had the sweet elixir or whatever you want to call it right. when getting ready for the Seahawks. And the under has been the way to go in Rams games this year and in the last half dozen Seattle games. We've seen the under come in. We know the Seattle defense is a good defense. I, I don't trust that Goff is going to be able to get the ball downfield consistently in this game. And it seems like a lot of people are on the Rams this week expecting an automatic bounce back from an embarrassing loss a week ago. But I'm going to side, and it's not a bet, it's an opinion. I'm going to side with Seattle and Russell Wilson in this one. Uh, listen, they've done a great job, the Rams, on their defensive front. They've been able to get the pressure between the tackles, which is how you defend Wilson. And They've seen it so often now and again this season that I think Seattle can devise a game plan that can get them over the top in this one. I think this is going to be a tremendous back-and-forth battle that Seattle finds a way to win by three or four points by a field goal or maybe a 21-17 type of affair. Um, I'll give you a play if you want one for Sunday, but this is certainly not going to be one of them for me. Yeah, okay. well, we, give us one. <laughs> Let's do it, man, and I love this spot. Now, whether they cover – I love two spots on Sunday, but I'll give you one of them. Whether they cover or not is up to them, but it's a great spot, and that is Pittsburgh getting one and a half against Indianapolis. And I've been going against Pittsburgh each week over the past three weeks. My top play this season was on the Buffalo Bills against them. Last week I ended up doing a video and said, jump on the Cincinnati Bengals in this game over Pittsburgh. So it's not like I've been – thinking that Pittsburgh was going to come out of their shell any time in the last couple of games. I do think they will in this game. As bad as things have been, the defense is still playing well. And what I liked about Monday's game, which was tough to find things to like against Cincy, is that the offensive line finally started to block better and open holes for the running game in the third quarter of that contest. And you'll see that they actually had their top running back ran for over 80 yards of the contest and almost five yards per carry. They pulled within 17 to 10. And then what happened is that the Steelers' defense all of a sudden lost track of Finley on called running plays for the Cincy quarterback. And when they had cut it to 17 to 10, all of a sudden they get the ball back early fourth quarter. He picks up a big third and five with his legs on a called quarterback keeper. Then he goes 23 yards for a touchdown on another quarterback keeper. He ended up with 10 carries in the game and ran well. But here's the kicker here. Phillip Rivers, on the entire season, has 16 carries for minus six yards. He's not going to beat you with his feet, and I do believe that this Pittsburgh defense is going to be the difference in the game. And look at the Colts. They've not looked, uh, looked too hot on defense of late. They're giving up an average of 424 yards per game and almost seven yards per play in its last four games. And they were outgained by an average of 46 yards per game by their last four opponents. So, listen, Pittsburgh was a three-point favorite on the look-ahead line. 
I think you're buying low here with the Steelers, guys. Makes a lot of sense. It does, and especially from that defensive perspective. I know a lot of people think, okay, the bounce back, the bounce back. I mean, they have just looked so bad. But again, I, I think this is a matchup that probably is a is a good matchup. It looks like a very good matchup for the Steelers. And it's kind of yeah, weird, look, too. And look who they've had to play against. I mean, the quarterbacks right. the last few weeks, it's been Lamar Jackson, it's been Josh Allen, even Ryan Finley. They finally go up against an offense with a quarterback that's a statue in the pocket. And it's interesting, too, because normally by week 16, you think you have a gauge on teams. Is it safe to say that people are still trying to figure out teams on both sides of this game? I think to a certain extent because, you know, the Steelers had a lot of close wins, you know, when they built that 11-0 record. And so they weren't as good as their 11-0 start. They're not as bad as their 0-3 skid that they're on. And as far as the Colts, the Colts haven't exactly taken on, you know, a murderous row of opponents. So I think there are question marks for both teams at this point of the season, which is too bad for both teams. I don't think the Steelers are going to do much in the playoffs, and I don't think the Colts will either. But for me, again, in this kind of game where I rate the offenses pretty even, I think the defense of Pittsburgh is going to be the difference. I just don't like the way the Colts stop unit has played over the past month. Great point. All right, Scott, we appreciate it as always. Again, Scott at uh, DocSports.com, also on Twitter at Scott Wins. My friend, have a great, enjoyable Christmas uh, with the family, and uh, we look forward to talking with you next week. And uh, you can uh, check out uh, Scott's, like I said, at DocSports.com, and also he's uh, all part of our best bets as well, too. So get those on over. We'll be up on the website. Uh, Great knowledge. Great stuff, Scott. Appreciate it, guys. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. There it is. Merry Christmas, Scott. All right, there he is, Scott Spritzer. Great friend and just uh, uh, one of the best. Been doing it a, a long, long time. And he brings up a really good point. I know a lot of people are anti-Steelers because, again, it is always the Janet Jackson scenario. What have you done for me lately? What have your eyes seen? And if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers the last three weeks, you say, how in the world can I bet this team? All that nonsense that's going on. Has Mike Tomlin lost control of the locker room? The Juju Smith-Schuster stuff, all that. But then they're at home. Take a step back. Relax. If the Steelers are ever going to show up, I kind of agree with Scott. You would think it would be against this Colts team because this Colts team, they're strong. They're still playing some pretty good football, but their defense is not at that same level where they've been in weeks past. And talk about a statue in, in the pocket. And the Steelers is the strength of that. Uh, their defense is the strength of that football team, especially that D-line and that linebacking core. I, I, you know, I may take a shot with the Steelers. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Obviously, they need to get healthy. They've been really decimated at the linebacker position, and uh, we will see what happens out there. And hopefully, uh, if you're a Steeler fan, they save the dancing till after the game instead of before it. But as far as your analogy with Janet Jackson, when it comes to her in football, I think most people remember the last thing they saw. <laughs> the wardrobe malfunction? And, and your point is, is there something wrong with that? Not at all. It was tits. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we'll just uh, even ballpark shot me that with that was one. Great. There you that go. Was great. I guess you wanted me to not be the Grinch. I finally thought the thought of a, a, a merry thing to think of for Christmas. <laughs> it's the biggest smile I've ever seen on Justin Timberlake's face to this day. The big I was going to say the biggest smile I've seen on this guy's truly, face in truly. the last month or so. The mistletoe. Br- the Grinch's heart just grew three sizes <laughs> a second ago. Very the, nice. The mistletoe brazier. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, we'll come back. We'll give you our best bets. I'd say a day early, we're giving our best bets because no show tomorrow. So we'll give you our three best college plays, looking at some of these bowl games and our three NFL plays. Again, remember, that starts uh, tomorrow with the uh, Saints and the Vikings. And then, of course, we've got games on Saturday and Sunday and a Monday night affair as well, too. Did something so. fluster you all of a sudden? Or? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thought of Janet Jackson always <laughs> flusters me. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm a nasty boy, as Janet once said, you know? There you go. All right, back on the other side, T.C. Martin Show, on a Christmas Eve day. Ho, ho, ho. Hey, this is Bernard Hopkins, and you listen to the T.C. Martin Show. All right, reminder, get on over to any of the William Hill Sportsbooks and, and get the mobile app on your phone first, and then head on over to one of the great sportsbooks, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, a William Hill Sportsbook as well, too. Traditionally, our home on Fridays. We will not be there tomorrow because we are taking Christmas Day off. We'll be taking New Year's Day off as well, but we will be there next Thursday. But get the William Hill mobile app real easy to use. It is user-friendly, especially with all the in-game wagering options as well. The William Hill mobile app, 
Go ahead and get it. And when you deposit at least $50 into a new account, they will match it with an additional $50. Use the promo code TC50. That's what you got to do. Get some free money to play with, especially this weekend as we get ready for some college bowl games. We've got the NFL, NBA, obviously a huge day tomorrow for NBA action. It's the William Hill mobile app. So get on over there and uh, get signed up. Get it on the mobile app. Get the phone on your phone and get on over to the Cosmopolitan or any of the William Hill sports books. Guys, did you hear the Buffalo Bills are, are ready to have fans at their their home games, they're you know they clinched the AFC East. Uh, they're excited there in Buffalo, and a law in New York has passed for them to allow. Well, it actually, hasn't officially passed. This has been proposed, and they think it's going to pass, where they'll have sixty seven hundred fans would be allowed there in Buffalo for their Bills homes games, and uh, they will also be getting free tests before going into the stadium, free COVID tests. Now, their next home game is January 3rd against the Dolphins. They'll close the season. But obviously, this is to get ready for the playoffs. And uh, good thing, bad thing for the Buffalo Bills to have fans, 6,700 of them, okay? And again, that's going to be very, very small com- comparison to a stadium that seats 65,000 there in Orchard Park. But, uh, you know, one state lawmaker in New York said uh, they should be more focused on people in need getting those people the rapid test and not about getting fans into football games. Well, there's also people out there that think that athletes shouldn't be getting all the tests that they get, and they get tests pretty much on a daily basis. So you're always going to have arguments about this kind of stuff. But you know what? Money rules a lot of stuff out there. And if they are going to allow fans in, they should be tested, in my opinion. So, I mean, you know, do you want no fans? Do you want some fans with tests or whatever? Tests are a lot more available these days. And, you know, if they're ready, to, if they're willing to foot the bill for it and everything else, I mean, you know, there's the free testing all over the place here. You wait a little bit longer. You pay. Now they have a home test that's coming out here. So it, it, I don't know. It, I don't know that there is a right or wrong answer, but there's a lot of opinions about it. There's a lot of opinions about it. And, again, if you – think that it's 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 safe to go and, and there are places that feel that it is safe to go if you're socially distanced if you're masked up and it is a limited number of fans i mean we're seeing the nfl we definitely saw it throughout college football that you know some places were allowing up to 15 and 20,000 so this number makes sense i believe the bills organization and the nfl will do it the smart way but you know this is for for a community that has been starved you talk about the lions they have been starved for uh, playoff football to come back there again. But as we know of all of the places, then maybe fans are not the most safe. They're totally rabid. They're nuts in Buffalo, and they're famous or infamous for their pregame festivities there. That concerns me at a Buffalo Bills game. You know, the thing that bothers me the most, and it's not about the testing or the cost, I don't think it's fair. I think the NFL should have a a universal law where either no fans or every team, and I granted a lot of teams are indoors, but it's just unfair. I don't care if it's 6,700 fans. It's still noise. It's still that much of an advantage, and it's unfair. If one team can't, the other team, it's like there's no home game advantage. Now Buffalo has 6,700 fans. Granted, it's a very small sample size, but it still is that much of an advantage that I don't think they should be allowed to have. Roger Goodell should step in and say, sorry, either no fans or every stadium should have 6,700 fans. Make it fair. And that, to me, is this much unfair, and that's not cool. But, but here's the decision. The decision really lies within that home team, okay? And that home team, if they... And, want, and the states. And, I mean, and, and, and the that's states. the thing. There's, there's nothing they, universal about any of this it, stuff. It, exactly. But, I guess but see, it should be. I think the yeah. NFL should just rule themselves and say, look, either all teams are going to have fans or none. We can't make it an unfair advantage to anybody. And Buffalo, like you said, TC, they're rabid fans. Yeah. They're going to find a way. 67 people while probably being horns to find a way to make noise. <laughs> and that's unfair to the visiting team if they're not allowed to have fans in their home ballpark. That's all. But then again, it d- depends. I mean, who the visiting team is because maybe that visiting team, you know, has fans. I and mean, we've seen fans in Tennessee and Jacksonville. Are they going to get in, though, when there's only 6,700 seats? We, 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 heard, we heard cars say that when they were right. in Kansas City that he actually heard Raider there chants were plenty there of Raider fans because there. they were actually Raider yeah. fans. So by limiting the fans, sometimes if the other team's fan base can get in there, you might hear stuff that you never heard before. So I don't know how much of a home field advantage it is, but if you're saying just a flat line, either everybody 
everybody has them or nobody has them, what with some of the states in California and that where they're not allowing anything, then you're basically saying nobody's allowed to have fans. And is that fair to owners in that that are trying to recoup a little bit of revenue and trying to let some people in? Remember, the Raiders could have had fans out here. They decided not to at the start of the season, but they had that availability. Kansas City had fans. We've we've lost boxing matches from Vegas going down to Jerry World at AT&T Stadium. So if I would like I agree with you that there should be a universal thing, but if there's not, do you punish Buffalo and say you can't have fans when they're saying that it's okay in their state because some other state says they can't? Well, the thing about it is it's already got to that situation where it's within the states or that city or the county where they allow them or they don't allow them. So at this point, you really can't do anything. I think we would all – we've been clamoring for this since the pandemic started. It's like let's have you know the NCAA be universal, make a decision, who's playing, who's not playing or whatever. But I guess Roger Goodell – has zero word, you know, even though it's the National Football League, if they have to abide by the rules or the health protocols in that state, Roger Goodell has no say whatsoever. As much as we'd well, love to see that. Nobody can nobody can have fans. He can say that. And 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 just say, sorry, we're not having fans anywhere, then it doesn't matter what the state law says. Yeah. We're not having fans. No no state's gonna argue with that. Right. And but, and, that, and then you might have an owner trying to sue them or something. You might because of the revenue. Into Even it. though it's minimal revenue. revenue. And, and and again, you also have uh, we just saw a baseball world series played where one league had fans and the other one couldn't right. in that. So, you know, I mean I don't think I agree with you that it would be nice if everybody had the same rules, but is it fair to punish cities that are allowed to have fans because one other state says no or something like that? Then you're saying then you're forcing that rule on somebody else when it's a state by state or like TC said county by county or city by city type ordinance or something like that. I think they should all have fans if they allowed and they go through the proper protocols and that. But it's not my decision. But I don't think it's necessarily fair to punish somebody either where they have opened it up if they are being safe. Now, if they open it up in a hotbed because they don't care, that's a different thing. I don't know that that's the case in Buffalo. In a wide-open stadium in this day and age when you're having testing beforehand, and I assume that that means if you don't pass the test, then sorry, although you have a ticket, you don't get into the game. So. To be continued, and we'll see what happens uh, if this thing even goes through here in Buffalo. But uh, they had a press conference yesterday, 6,700 fans in Buffalo. Bills fans would love to see it. I think a lot of fans, you know, a lot of places would love to, especially with the playoffs. I know at Lambeau Field, you know, they're going to have home field advantage more than likely. And Packer fans, they would love to be able to even five to 10,000, you know, people get in there and sit in the snow. No more leaping, though. You know, Six feet apart. Yeah, that's it. None of that leaping in there can't, with fans. Can't have the first eight rows. You know, blocked it off. There you go. All right. You know what we do have? We got best bets. We do. We do have it here. We have best I'm bets. Look, I'm looking for it right now. Hold okay. Best bet. Let's, let's take two. It's How's that? Ball Friday. Boom. And time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right, it is the College Bowl season, so our rules for this week are we're going to give you uh, college bowl games that take place between now and next Wednesday when we do our next segment next Thursday. So we'll give you three three of those games and uh, our regular NFL go. So let's start. I'm going to make it real easy for as the first college bowl game I'm going to give you is going to be on Tuesday. The Alamo Bowl. Texas is playing Colorado. The Texas Longhorns have won four of their last five games and playing pretty darn well. Texas has won their bowl games the last three years under Tom Herman. They got a pretty solid offense this year. They can score. We have seen that. And I think they have figured out some things defensively over the past five games as well. Colorado, on the other hand, very disappointing loss to Utah two weeks ago where they lost 38-21 on their home field and had an actual an opportunity potentially to play for a Pac-12 championship. They are full of underclassmen, not many seniors on this Colorado team. That's not going to bode too well for them against a very experienced Texas team. Not crazy laying nine, nine and a half with uh, Texas, but the way Texas is playing and the way Colorado could not move the ball, specifically in the second half against Utah last week, I will go ahead and lay nine with the Texas Longhorns. Nine? Then, you got a good line. Yeah. It's I ten saw, now. Is it ten? There you go. Someone was listening, I guess. All right. Then I'm going to go to Wednesday. I don't know the name of this bowl. I know the name of it. I've never heard of it before. The Duke's Mayo Bowl. What is that? Is that what we're talking about? Mayonnaise? Who's the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Well, anyway, 
It's Wisconsin against Wake Forest. I have not been a fan of Wisconsin this year. Again, so much inconsistency when they're playing, when they're not going to play. But they did get that victory against Minnesota last week, 2017 in overtime. Wake has only played one game since November the 14th. You can't get ready to play a tough defensive team like Wisconsin when you've been off for the last six weeks. I'm going to take a shot here with Wisconsin, laying seven points. They have been active. They've played five of the last six weeks. A little bit better last week than they have been in weeks past. So I think this is going to be a good spot for the Badgers. Wake Forest is going to be without two of its best players, too. Offensively, they're running back uh, Kenneth Walker, who has 13 touchdowns. He's opted out. He's not going to play anymore. And defensive end, Carlos Basham, he is opting out as well, too. So Wisconsin is 4-1 and one against the ACC in bowl games. I think it's a good matchup for the Badgers, so I'll lay seven with the Badgers. And then... Go to the Cotton Bowl, a game that I'm looking forward to. Oklahoma and Florida. Yes, been preaching OU for quite some time. They're the, one of the hottest teams in the country. I'd say the second hottest team besides Alabama. The offense is rolling right now. Defense is a lot better than they've been in years past. Actually, probably the best defense in the Big 12. They are motivated. They're ready to play. They want to show everyone that those two early season losses to Iowa State and Kansas State, they are a much different team now. Florida, defensively, they have been horrendous, giving up an average of 44 points and 511 yards in their last two games to Alabama and LSU. I'm going to lay three with Boomer sooner. By the way, I think the Dukes were the uh, brothers in trading places that lost all their money. The Dukes? That's it. <laughs> Mortimer, sell. Mortimer, sell. But then they got the money back later on, so they, they, well, did. they were homeless. So, yeah, yeah. so now they're sponsoring a bowl, so very nice. All right, well, because of a communication breakdown, I didn't know that we had all those games to choose from. I'm not going to change my picks and go off of what I did earlier. I'm going to stick with them because that generally bites you in the butt. It's like when you take a test and you change the answer. Not always the best thing to do. So I had four games to choose from by the way that I thought it because one of the games, South Carolina UAB, is not taking place. So I took three of the four games, and my first one is the game tomorrow, Buffalo. If Buffalo's been pretty good all year, I like the running back with Pedersen. He's having a tremendous season. I know they, they kind of stumbled and they didn't play well in their conference final game, but they're a five-point favorite against Marshall, so I'm going to take Buffalo in that one. Coastal Carolina, I've been riding them all season long. Liberty's a pretty good team. Coastal Carolina, a touchdown favorite. Uh, I'm going to take that team. They've been impressing me all year long. I've watched some of their games. I'm looking forward to this game, actually. I think this could be a good one because Liberty's also beat a couple decent schools from Power 5 conferences. And then because I only had two other games left to pick from, Western Kentucky getting three and a half. Got to take a dog someplace. One team is five and four. The other one's five and six or whatever. This is kind of a garbage bowl, but you know what? Someone's got to win it. At least I think they do. And if they don't, well, then I still win anyhow because I'm getting three and a half points. So there you I will go. take Western Kentucky over Georgia State. Two teams that I basically know nothing about All except right. for that neither one is very good. From the NFL side, I'm going to keep this real simple and go with basically uh, the games in the next couple days. I'm going to start with tomorrow. I love the Saints against the Vikings. New Orleans coming off those two tough losses after they won nine in a row. Perfect spot for the Saints getting that inconsistent Minnesota Vikings team. Breeze got a game under his belt. I think he's going to be ready to fire. The Saints D will harass Kirk Cousins all over the place. They'll control Dalvin Cook and get the win. Oh, by the way, what happened 51 weeks ago? We talked about it earlier. Minnesota came into New Orleans, upset them, knocked them out of the playoffs. Revenge time for the Saints. Lay that touchdown with the Saints. We go to Saturday. Tampa laying the 9, 9.5, 10, whatever you want to lay at Detroit. Yes, Tampa finally gets a little schedule break here in getting the Lions. The coaching problems are just as bad for the Lions as their team on the field. The defense should struggle. They've been given up at least 30 points per game in their last four contests. They gave up 46 last week to the Tennessee Titans and 463 yards. Bruce Arians is calling this game for the Tampa Bay Bucks the hat and t-shirt game, guys. You know that? You know why he's calling it the hat and t-shirt game? Because when you qualify for the postseason, you get a hat, you get a t-shirt. He says, our guys are getting a hat and a t-shirt. Lay it with the Buccaneers over I'm sorry, Brian. You're lowly Lions. But you know they're lowly. Well, t- t- too bad for those teams that they don't have the same uh, gift packages that they do in these bowl games. That's true. All they get is a hat and a T-shirt. <laughs> That's it. I don't remember the last Swag. time the Lions got a hat and a T-shirt. It's been a long time. <laughs> All right, Miami. I'm going to lay the three against the Raiders. The Dolphins must win. 
Las Vegas lost four of the last five. Their record in December in the last three years, 5-13, second worst during that time span. Carolina is only one game better. Too many health concerns for the Raiders. Miami is solid defensively. If Tua doesn't screw things up, I think he could beat the Raiders with the legs. I'll lay three with Miami. All right, well, in, in my NFL picks, I'm going to start out with uh, one of the games that you had, New Orleans. I do like the Saints in this game. Maybe everybody being on it scares me off a little bit, but the six and a half, I think Breeze was a little bit rusty last game. I think he bounces back. Minnesota just lost to the Bears. I don't know what they're playing for at this point. They basically are out of the playoff hunt. I know they're professional, but they got to be a little bit down. I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I hate taking the Packers every week, and they keep on winning games but not covering the spread, so I'm going to let them disappoint me once again they because you I look good, though. cannot stand They haven't made me look good the last two weeks. They've <laughs> lost games because of the hook and stuff. Packers minus 3.5 against Tennessee, so this will be the Tennessee that comes out like gangbusters, and they'll probably win the game straight up. But I'll take the Packers, and I hope I lose that game. And then Indian Pitt, I'm drinking a Kool-Aid. I'll go with Indy. I, Pitt has not impressed me at all recently. So, uh, you know, maybe they bounce back here. I don't know what to make of Indy either, but you got to do three picks. And so I'm going to take the Colts in this one and see where it lies. All right, there we have it. Our best bets will be up on the website uh, probably uh, tomorrow. And, again, we're giving to you a day early. And uh, go check them out. Not only myself, the Ballpark Franks, Scott Spritzer, Brian Benowitz, uh, Adam Joseph, our good friend from Opportunity Village, uh, great uh, supporters of the show, and also Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity. Our best bets are up there. And, Frank, uh, what we're going to do, so uh, you have that extra time, I want you to pick three college games that you really like, and now you know between now and Wednesday. So but on the best bets will be truly Frank's best college plays, not these forced ones uh, today because he only has four games to pick from. So go home tonight while you're watching the Weather Channel and whatever else you're doing. Go ahead and do some more handicapping and send me those over tonight. And uh, just like normal, we'll have our three best college plays and our three best NFL. Well, I know they have, like, marathons of criminal minds, and they have some uh, Law & Order SVU. So, you know, maybe I'll watch some of that stuff. Okay. Or you can watch Janet Jackson popping out something again, you know, flashback, rerun. How's that? Yeah, I think there'd be a blurb on it, though, now, because they kind of know what's coming. It's not that surprise attack right now. I want to thank Steve Berline for joining us today. Scott Spritzer. Uh, as well as Chuck Esposito. Brian Feldman, thank you, my friend, for being here today, helping us uh, as, as always. And uh, enjoy your Freddy's frozen custard and steak burger, my man. Loving it. Thanks, DC. Was that the breast halftime show you ever saw? That was the breast halftime show. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Enthralling. <laughs> A boob full of fun. There it is. All right, guys, we the are boob off. tube. It was literally the boob tube. Enjoy Christmas Day. We're <laughs> off tomorrow. We'll be back at it again on Monday. Go to the website, check everything out from the best bets. Our interview with Dusty Baker, it's a great one. Get that up there. That's on the website. Go check that out, listen to it, and uh, peruse the website uh, during the next three days. Enjoy your football. It's all on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Merry Christmas, Ballpark. Brian, Numchuck, Earthquake, Mark, everybody. We appreciate all of our listeners. Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas, ooh, you nasty boy. Ooh, yeah.